Okay, it's Friday. You know what time it is. It is time for Hoops Friday, FRPC style. And I'm here with the Canadian shaman, Native North American, Uh, just draft guru, mm -hmm. the Canadian bomber himself, Nico Miatello. What's up, guy? Uh, not much, man. I've been having a, a good week while getting ready for this pod, to be honest. We've we've been working on this ah, for two weeks now, actually. And I think we're we're getting ready for our best episode yet. This is where we're going to be. Mm-hmm. Not all the time, but I definitely think this is something that the fans will like. And also um it's a way for us to build communities and, and things. So today we are talking about the Washington Wizards. Yes, sir. Woo. Let me give you a little history. Nico, what year were you born, sir? 1994. 1994. So, Nico, <laughs> yes. there was this year. I'm going to take you a little bit further back. It was 1979, sir. Ooh. And that was the year of Jimmy Carter being president. This is before Reagan. I don't know who your prime minister was at that point in time. I don't Ooh, know if he was sinister. Oh, uh, my head. And also, this was the last time that the Washington Wizards had won 50 games, sir. Oh, man. Oh, it was uh we had the the dad of our current prime minister was the prime minister in 79. Sorry, <laughs> I looked that up. Nepotism. Yes, sir. So 1979 was the last time that the Washington Wizards slash Washington Bullets mm-hmm. it's that out there. Yes. Had won 50 games. Just to put in context, the Washington Wizards from that time till now have a winning percentage of 0.424. Okay. A couple teams kind of in their same realm that haven't won a championship yet. Mm -hmm. The Indiana Pacers have a winning percentage from that time to this to right now of 0.502. And the Denver Nuggets have a winning percentage of 0.496. Over the same time frame. This is these are just numbers I just wanted to throw out before we got into this because we have a different perspective of how we're gonna actually do this pod. So Nico, take it away, because you talked to a lot of Wizards fans. So take it away. If you look us up on Twitter, look me up on Twitter, Nico FRPC. I've created a Wizards list of Twitter follows that are just a quick reference, a guide. There's about 50 people in there. So you can just take a look and keep up with the Wizards at any time. I I used it to get myself through this project and learn more about the team. And I have to give a shout out here to my guy, Mo underscore 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 that that you made that hard on me. Mo underscore 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 WRLD. He helped me out with a lot of uh, different guys to throw on the Twitter list and really work out the right people to follow and 
I, <laughs> after talking to him, the dissatisfaction within the fan base currently seems to run like incredibly deep. They, it seems like they're fully ready for like a, a full-scale rebuild in the front office at the least. Maybe not with the players necessarily, but in the front office, definitely. Well, that leads me to one thing that popped up. And usually we're going to have news, but this actually coincides with the Wizards. Bob Myers' contract is over at the end of this year. Yeah. Thoughts on Bob Myers and his free agency, sir? I think that would be magnificent if the Wizards could figure something like that out and be able to bring in Bob Myers. He is proven himself consistently in Golden State. Maybe the recent drafts haven't been uh, perfect, uh, but I thought Moses Moody would have been better than this. I don't know. I won't go down that tangent, but I think Bob Myers is is definitely a good general manager. And I know Washington has like shot their shot at Masai Ujiri before and stuff like that. So they're definite they definitely like have an eye on potentially improving in the future at that position, it seems anyway. But I definitely think they should because like I don't want to get into this too early, but this Tommy Shepard-led group has made a lot more mistakes than positive decisions, I'd have to say. Well, we have a whole section for him. But to your point about making a big play for Bob Myers, Mm -hmm. did you know that Laureen Powell Jobs is one of the uh, minority owners of the Washington Wizards? No, definitely not. Yeah, so in my lookup of this team and some of the history, yeah, I knew that Ted Leontes was the, you know, the majority owner and and what have you. We got to call him governor now. Mm -hmm. But in my findings, I was like, okay. And when I saw the name, I was like, no, can't be. And yes, it's the widow of Steve Jobs. You got major money behind the Washington Wizards. Mm -hmm. So if they wanted to make a play for Bob Myers, they could. I mean, I want to make sure that the fans understand that it should not be a money play for Bob Myers. It should be a philosophical play. And I don't understand where you would not want his philosophy in your building. What's kind of the tone? With the Washington Wizards fans, where do they see some of the deficiencies at? Well, I uh, I think the the deficiencies that are generally seen all around the roster. One of the things I saw most common on Wizards Twitter was the reference to their group of three. St- "Quote unquote stars." People always refer to big threes, and they refer to them as the mid three, <laughs> and that's Beal, Porzingis, and Kuzma. I think, uh, from what I could tell, Kuzma is the most popular 
amongst the fan base. I think people are a little fed up with Beal in general, which kind of makes sense. He's been there for a while. But I have to say, after watching their games this year versus last year, especially over the last two weeks, it really feels more like Beal is bought into this team than it did last year's team with Spencer Dinwiddie. Like he's playing within himself and letting the offense come to him, not doing that stupid like over dribbling, throw the ball out of bounds, like just trying to get his own numbers. He's actually trying to contribute towards winning basketball. It's not always working necessarily. But he looks like a different guy than he did last year, which was kind of weird coming into a contract year. It's not often you see guys pull the kind of shit he did last year and get the best contract ever afterwards. But to do that and then not ask out is kind of uncommon. Okay, so that leads me to this. I'm going to go over the last three draft. We can go further back. There's a lot of ineptitude, but I just want to do a snapshot and this is what he's been in charge of. Okay. Uh, 2020, Denny Avdia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on the board, on the board at the time. Mm-hmm. Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah. Okay. 2021, Corey Kispert. The next three draft picks. <laughs> Trey Murphy the third. Trey Mann, Alperin Sangu. 2022. Johnny Davis, Wisconsin guard. Jalen Duran is on the board. AJ Griffin is on the board. That one hurts me the most. Tari Eason is on the board. Walker Kessler is also on the board. I'm going to say this, and I hope it doesn't come across um, negative, but it's almost like they took the safe pick. Not one of those is a swing. Not mm-hmm. one of those guys. They're pieces to a roster, right? Mm-hmm. But not one of those guys you look at, even when they were drafted, I didn't think of them as this is literally the guy that could push them to a playoff, just getting to the playoffs, like consistently. Yeah. And I can't imagine what the fans think on what has gone on. I mean, I'm sure they can go further back. Obviously, there's so many, but I just mm-hmm. wanted to focus in on the last three that Shepard was was involved in. Yeah. So now my question to you, and I guess my question to you and the people you talk to, what's their thoughts on this? Definitely, I heard literally the exact same complaint that you made with the same names listed, Trey Murphy, Tyrese Halliburton, the the same guys skipped over. I definitely heard a lot of that those complaints come up. But I think Denny Avdia, this trade they made with Rui Hachimura, like the goal is to free him up and hopefully get him to do some more offensive things since it, it hasn't really happened so far. But he he's definitely taken a step defensively this year. So maybe maybe he becomes something. They still definitely should have drafted Tyrese Halliburton, don't get me wrong. But maybe that that one's not completely sold down the river. 
Johnny Davis is a hard Hold guy. Hold on for one second. Wait, uh, just give me one second. Yeah. You chase guards, right? Yeah. Westbrook, they brought Westbrook in. They did. Traded him away. That was good. Mm-hmm. That was good for them. Here is a guard that would have fit perfectly with Bradley Bill. Mm-hmm. Oh, Tyrese Halliburton would have fit perfectly with Bradley Bill. And also, he's six foot five, too. Mm-hmm. So this now is- you don't have a small backcourt, you have a pretty big backcourt. You can start getting, you know, long, lengthy wings if they did get blow pass and, you know, on the dribble drive. You got somebody to back them up. Yeah. I'm just. I didn't understand it then. I still don't understand it. And now this dude is going to be an all-star and like a perennial all-star. Yeah. And I know there's many teams that we could sit there and go Halliburton, Halliburton, Halliburton. Yeah. But I mean, this one is so glaring to a franchise, like I said, has not won 50 games since 1979. Uh Uh-huh. Now, go ahead and finish your thought about Johnny Davis. I'm sorry. Ah, it's okay. Yeah, no, I I totally get what you're saying on the Halliburton side of it. This is definitely a team that could have used him. I think, I don't know this for sure, but I think they were kind of caught up in the idea after having the John Wall, Bradley Beal, duo that you want a downhill guard with Bradley Beal. I think that might have been part of the thinking because I know that was pretty common at the time. Like the idea of having the drive and kick offense was just starting to take over with the five out. So maybe that could have been part of their motivation. I don't think it's justifiable necessarily, especially if you take a guy like Denny Avdia who doesn't really fit that mold. But I think that could have been part of the motivation. I don't know. It's just kind of what I thought at the time. Which is funny because then you go the next year and they draft a sharp shooting wing. Mm-hmm. They draft Corey Kisper. That was his skill. Yeah. Coming into the NBA. You didn't draft him for defensive pliability. Yeah. You didn't necessarily draft him as a secondary ball initiator you draft him for shooting huh yeah i hated that at the time too i was pretty convinced the day of i think i'm not sure if you remember but i was pretty convinced they were going to be the shangun team and then they just weren't that Corey kispert pick i like he's playing okay now he's better than maybe i thought he was but it's still not looking great Johnny Davis, though. Johnny yeah, give Davis. Me, give me what. Give me what the Washington Wizard uh, faithful think about uh, Johnny Davis. Because I, 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 to be honest, I didn't dig too hard on the Johnny Davis. What they think about Johnny Davis? Because I, I don't want to be hurt <laughs> by how upset they probably are. Johnny Davis was one of my guys pre-draft. I absolutely loved him. I still do. Okay, so hold on. Washington Wizard fans, you can hit up 
Nico at Nico FRPC, and you can tell them your displeasure. Uh huh. And your your draft synopsis, your your scouting synopsis on one young Mr. Davis. Yeah, I as much as I love Johnny Davis, though. Yeah, and even this happened live during the draft. The second he was taken by the Wizards, I was disgusted. I thought that was far and away the worst fit in the entire draft for a guy like him. So the fact that he ended up there, I think, is just it's one of those things like people always talk about how talented everyone in the NBA is. It's all about fit sometimes. And this is straight up the worst fit he could have asked for. Now, looking at him not even being that good of a player in in the G League at times is kind of problematic, which he's flashed there for sure. But he like coming into this year i would have expected johnny davis in the g league to be arguably the best player in the g league so Jaylen i well of santa clara was in this draft he was okay. he was i but i that one i don't necessarily blame them as much for because it's not like people were talking about Jalen williams in that range necessarily like it eighth overall it would have been high for Jalen Williams at the time people were talking about him in the lottery at, at like leading right up but the the big I like we were kind of talking about him in that range to a certain extent but like the the major media outlets I don't really believe were but see this is the kind of stuff that I want to get out there is that you know when We've had these conversations over the years, and we've yeah. had different philosophies on on guys. I was a big AJ Griffin guy. You know that I was yeah. a huge guy on him. I thought that he would just matriculate into the NBA seamlessly. His father played in NBA. You know, he is an assistant coach, I believe, in Toronto at this point. Yep. Um. And he's doing all the things that you would want your three and D wing to do. Shooting the ball well, secondary ball initiator, plays pretty solid defense. I mean, if you're going to go the safe pick, right? You just drafted the year before Corey Kispert. If your philosophy, that's what I'm saying. If you look at the last three years, the philosophy doesn't make any sense. No. Denny Abdiya was a kind of a, it, I wouldn't call it a swing. I would call it kind of a bunt, not a swing, <laughs> right? Because it was a, it was a Swiss Army knife type of guy, right? Yeah. Then you go for the proverbial safe guy. Kisper the next year. Mm-hmm. And then you follow it up. And you could have went safe again and went like AJ Griffin. You could have went like 
They think they were going safe. I feel like they watched Johnny Davis play basketball and they said, this guy can defend at an NBA level, which he's shown he can do already. He can play defense. And they were thinking he'll just figure it out offensively. Well, the problem with John, the reason he figured it out is because he had it in the the ball in his hands every time, like he was goddamn Devin Booker. And if you're going to try throw him out there on a team with like no spacing, Besides, you you have Beal and Kispert, which is effective, but like they weren't running him in lineups with the floor like spaced out with Beal and Kispert. They were running him at the end of the game with like Jordan Goodwin and Dillon Wright and guy, uh, what's his name, the point guard. Um, Monty Morris, yeah. like the, in those kind of units, he's just not going to be effective. And I kind of think to a certain extent, his confidence is shot at this point. And like, <sighs> he's just kind of stuck here. And, and as a guy who's already older, I'm I'm worried. My red flag has shot up on the Johnny Davis behalf, and oh, it's so sad. Every podcast that talks about basketball, they do redrafts and like you know revisionist history and 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 all this and, and whatever. If I'm wrong on a guy, I'm wrong on a guy. I'll, I'll be more than happy to say I would, I'm wrong on a guy, okay? Mm-hmm. My whole thing is is that you look at Trey Murphy, and he's almost at 50, 40, 90 splits. He has a true shooting percentage of, six, of 643. Yeah. You, you go into this year, and the likes of Jalen, and this is what I'm talking about. Reimagine your team. Reimagine the squad. Don't sit there and go, oh, well, Johnny Davis, Big Ten player of the year, blah, 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 all this other stuff. Do we even know that Johnny Davis can dribble? Are we? Uh, he can dribble. He can dribble. Can he pass? He uh, he didn't Ooh, have. To. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> I am not sure I've seen him do that very much. Why are these guys like single, single thing guys? Single thing. Yeah. Where's well, where is the the multiple multiplication of tools? I don't know. I don't get it. Did you get so? Spooked by Denny Abdia that you just said we're just gonna get this guy has a specific tool and we're gonna we're gonna draft that because we need that mm-hmm. because it doesn't make any sense to me and one of these days we're gr- probably gonna have to put this on YouTube because I'm over here like waving my hands and moving yeah. around and. Yeah, really, utterly vexed by their draft history, which leads me to Tommy Shepard and 
your thoughts and the fans' thoughts on what he is doing with this team. It's not positive. I like we we haven't touched on the Rui Hachimura trade yet. Mm -hmm. He he made that move and like I guess I'm less mad at him for that move than the general public. Like a lot of people are acting like he got fleeced to me. I'm not mad. I'm not mad at all. I understand as a Lakers fan, but like drink up, (laughs) drink up. uh, A lot of people are like disappointed in the move he made. And like, to me, it's kind of like Rui didn't fit on this team. They'd already drafted over him multiple times. It's like, I, I, before we, like I said, we've been planning this trade for two weeks. So, or this, sorry, this pod for two weeks. So we started, <laughs> so we started planning it before the Rui trade. And I was looking online for, uh, Rui trades to just throw out, talk about on air. And uh, the trades I was, I was looking at weren't too different from what they got. I was looking at one where I think they got Cam Reddish and a second round pick or, or two second round picks and one where they got like Kobe White straight up. So it was around this level. And I kind of think at some point it's just like – you don't want to get lost, but into the sunk cost fallacy where you're, it's just like we spent a first round pick on this guy. So we can't possibly trade him for less than that. At some point, it's just, this guy's on your team. He doesn't make sense on your team. You need to move on. You need to move forward. So maybe move on from Rui. So like that move, I don't hate, but is everything that's got them to this point in the first place. Like he's kind of like been saved by the Rockets needing to trade Russell Westbrook in the first place. And then like the LeBron James deciding he needs Russell Westbrook and then getting Kyle Kuzma for Russell Westbrook. Besides that, like what, positive move has Tommy Shepard made since taking over from Ernie Grunfeld? I I can't really think of one. I guess I like the Monty Morris trade, Monty Morris, Will Barton, KCB trade more than most. Monty Morris been okay, but Will Barton straight up out of the rotation up until the last few games. He's played a little, but that's kind of because of the trade they've made. I, I just, I don't know. Well, I just... The word vomited saying Tommy Shepard's a bad general manager, basically. And I, I didn't mean to say that, but it it hasn't looked great. He won the, the Laker trade. Oh, definitely. So, I mean, you have Kuzma out that deal. You turn KCP into what? Monty Morris and what? Will Barton. Okay. Um, There was a draft pick involved, I think. Yeah, I went to Indiana, but I think somehow somehow Wizards got something on that deal too. I don't yeah. know what it was. Um, yeah, I mean it. It the record, the draft record is the thing that's killing him. 
because for some reason he doesn't seem to understand that at some point I would rather take a swing at a guy and go like his upside is so crazy and it, it, it just never happens but at least take the shot because you just you just don't know because this this certainty or skill certainty that he's locked in on yeah hasn't seemed to work because no there's no one who's doing that skill at a high level really mm-hmm. like at a high enough level that we're taking notice like Corey Kispert is not shooting 45% from 3 uh, yeah, he like, well, he's shooting. Yeah, he's shooting like 42 percent, well, but it's good. not. It's good, it's not, but like, <laughs> and it's and I mean, it's really good. It's not like what I'm saying is no. It's it just would be like, nice if they had like, somebody who could get into the lane consistently, kick it out. To, now he's wide open. Yeah, wide. no, that's never happening. Like Corey Kispert, just he's gonna hit threes. Yeah. That's true. What else? <laughs> like I, I don't know. any defense whatsoever. Not, not really. Not at a high level. He's kind of a connector piece. He can move the ball a little bit. He can't really drive. He, I, I don't know. I, I've never been a huge believer. He's hitting more of the like high level. NBA like movement threes now than I think I expected from him coming in, but it's it's not something I I particularly love out of him. The we we <laughs> haven't touched on this guy yet. We've I think feel like we've talked about most of the roster, but yeah, here we go. From watching uh that this isn't isn't what i think you think i'm going to but from watching this team i just kept falling more and more in love with the guy i already love but delon wright has been great for them again he's just the perfect like defender number two point guard you could ever want on your roster sometimes he starts in over monty morris but uh he's He's a great player, man. I couldn't ask for more out of a number two point card like that. I'd love a player like that in Houston. Okay, so Bill... (laughs) Bill is their son. He is their... Everything revolves around around him. Alpha and Omega. So he's missed 20 games this year. Not a surprise. Bill has played in less than 70 games six times. In those six times, he's played less than 63. Not including this year. His best year, he looks like true true shooting percentage that year was like 58.1. He had a PER of 20.8 and a usage rate of 27.6, which aren't real far off from the numbers this year. Mm-hmm. True shooting is actually up to six 620. 
He has a 21.0 PER, and his usage is actually down. It's 27.3. So this this kind of this kind of jives with what you were talking about earlier. It seems like he's fitting more into the offense, and he's not the quintessential super high usage player, a la obviously like Luka Doncic. Um, my question is is how do you get to a point where you're in the playoffs like constantly, at least for like a four to five year span? Is there, are there trades out there that they can do to help them? Because it doesn't seem like they want to bottom out, which is no. weird to me. They, they'll never stuck. bottom out. Don't it's just one of those things. I think Leonsis is one of those general or owners, governors rather, who absolutely refuses to to bottom out. We've seen this like from them repeatedly for a long period of time now, where he would rather just sit steady and like win 41 to 43 games than ever lose because he's got this illusion in his head that the fans will completely quit on us. They'll never come ever again. It's better to maintain these extra 1,500 ticket sales every week than to... Ooh, like actually bottom out and face the tank. But what some owners don't realize and is something that I feel like Houston ownership is really learning right now is when you bottom out and actually face the tank, it galvanizes fan bases often and it makes them love these young players in new ways. So I I really think that Leonsis needs to realize that the Washington fans aren't going to quit on him completely if he decides to go for a rebuild. I have a question for you. Yeah. And I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm still very intrigued by Christoph Porzingis. Yeah. I don't know what I'm... He's I don't think he can be a number two. No. He's kind of the number three right now yeah. in Washington. I think he can be a number three. Yeah. I I think I know a, where he needs to be a number three if he's going to win a title. No. Anytime. No. I, 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 no, not you. I think it might be Brooklyn. I think that's like the perfect fit for like his defensive and offensive style. They play a funneling defense. He can live up to that. They have a guy in Claxton who they can play both with him and uh, as their backup center. He's been at a high level defensively this year. I think if there is a world where Washington decides to blow it up and they're sending out Kristaps, if I'm Brooklyn, I'd be the first team on the phone. Mm. I like that. And I'm pretty sure 
him and KD are actually f- like friends. That would be wild. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it, you can have Porzingis, Claxton, and KD as your front line. You can. That's a that's a <laughs> front court. That's like my hypothetical Rockets front court with Shangu and oh, Jabari and Wemby, where it's just a hundred feet of arms. Oh my god. <laughs> It's so it's so ridiculous to think about that. Well, yeah. Here's the here's the thing. He's hurt again, right? That's yeah, yeah. of course. <clears throat> his offensive rating is uh one hundred and sixteen point one. His defensive rating is one oh nine point three. So it's a yeah. net rating six point nine. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a positive player. Yeah, very positive, yeah. He's still really good. I'm just saying, like, if if you can get away from, like, lottery pick and unicorn and everything, you just said Christoph Porzingis, solid, solid role player, um, fourth best player on a on a playoff contending team or, you know, um, weak side defender, ball mover, Occasional pop out eighteen to twenty footer rim roller. I mean, why is that bad? It's not at all. He's like uh, Anthony Edwards last year called him the hardest player in the paint to score over in the whole NBA. Like he is one of the best rim protectors we've got. He still has a three-pointer. It kind of waxes and wanes. At times, he he misses more than he makes. And he's not the best rebounder, especially considering his size. But he's still an excellent player. And I still believe he can be a part of a championship team if the team's built right. I like cerebral players. I'm not saying I like Duke players or whatever, but I do like players that can think the game. Porzingis seems to be one of those guys. Yeah. So, yeah, that would be really interesting to see him. Ooh, that would make the East. Yeah. It's crazy. Could you imagine a Cleveland-Brooklyn series with that going on? Yeah. With that link, you got you got Jarrett, who was there. Mm-hmm. He'd be the Jared Allen replacement for a lot more it, money. Yeah. Boy, I bet mm-hmm. you they I bet you they still rue the day of that deal. Yeah. Oh, the Rockets still do to a certain extent, too. Everybody they, drank. He he mentioned the Rockets. I mentioned this in the last spot. You weren't there for that. Um yeah. I had a Lakers therapy pot. And I said, Nico, I said, the thing that you can guarantee is Nico is going to reference the Houston Rockets and I am going to reference the Lakers. And every time that happens, you can go ahead and drink. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to reference the Rockets at every turn. That's I I'm forced to watch every game of a team that's only won 11 out of like 50 so far. So. This is not about your team that right now. We are no, trying always to help is. the Wizards. Okay, sorry. Okay, so here's the thing. Real yes or no question. 
keeping Kyle Kuzma is a good thing or bad thing. What's your thoughts? Well, I think right now, if I'm them, I probably would hold. I like he's performed at such a high level for them in like so far this season. I think if he continues to maintain this production and goes into next year still like that, I, I, man, I think you, or even maintains this production into the offseason. I think there's a world where you can get a whole lot for him. Um, I, I did look into trades for him, and I think there are some trades that are pretty interesting. I actually have a Brooklyn trade for Kuzma as well. But um, I, if I'm them, I think I'd probably want to hold. He's the prize. Because without Ananobi coming on to the market, mm-hmm. um, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn. I've heard this from Windhorse. I've heard this from Bill Simmons. I've heard this, I think, from Zach Lowe. And um, I heard this from somebody, uh, front office person I know back east, that they are not moving off of Ananobi. So yeah, if that's the case, Kuzma, to me, is like the prize of the trade market mm-hmm. when it comes to like switchable forwards. Absolutely. Oh, that's just what could you imagine if you can get Memphis involved in that? Uh that Memphis I feel like is gonna hold this year. I know they are. I yeah, I I can I'll put yeah. it this way. I don't have like locked in sources there. Mm-hmm. But they don't they don't feel the need. They just do not feel the need to make a swing. Yeah. At all. They they shouldn't. And I understand that, but I think I think Kuzma is that type of guy that kind of it it's almost like when you know when uh in uh, what's the movie? What's the movie? What's the movie? Well, Beautiful Mind, but also in The Hangover, when the the numbers start floating around. Yeah, the yeah. Kuzma to me would seem like like just perfect in Memphis. Yeah, he'd he'd be good there for sure. I I Bane Kuzma. Jaw, I feel like they'd work well together, but I feel like you you're taking the ball out of Kuzma's hands a lot. Mm. I I I like it. I like the concept of it. I think I'd have to just theory craft with the way the offense would work a little bit more. What kind of sets? They have such a like like an AAU vibe around them, where if Kuzma like walked up to John and said, "Yo, man, is there?" You know, like, yo, I need the rock tonight. Mm-hmm. I can see John going like, I say less, kid. We're gonna be yeah. you know. I mean, Dylan Brooks gets shots on that team. 
Oh yeah, he gets all Take the shots. All his shots. <laughs> yeah, well, Kuzma. Yeah, yeah. If they're moving on from Dylan Brooks and replacing him with Kyle Kuzma, that's like a whole that that they're going to a whole different galaxy. But that's I, well, I I don't. Dylan Brooks is one of those guys who's weird. It's very hard to judge his value because it feels like in to some extent he's the emotional leader of the locker room. So I think that's like, very, very dangerous. Yeah, your emotional leader. That's but my. I I, know I, I understand that, but like I love Memphis's attitude right now. I'll, the, I'll put it to you this way: everybody's going to be able to drink. Yeah. If he was on the Lakers and he had yeah. like LeBron, uh huh, then I would love him. I would love him. Because that type of tenacity reigned in. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I would like that a lot. And LeBron would just stare at him if he shot a ball. If he shot more than 12 shots, he'd just stare at him. Yeah. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we, we're veering into, into the Grizzlies a little too much. Yeah. So here, yeah. here's the thing. I need to know. Okay, I'm going to tell you exactly where I think this team is. They're a middling team who never takes a swing in the draft. Yeah. They have trade chips to they have trade chips that they don't seem to be willing to come off of and one is so happy there that I think he literally has a condo inside the White House <laughs> in Bradley Bill. Bradley Bill yeah. It's so comfortable in Washington, D.C. that like he it's like he went on vacation and said, I'm never leaving. Yeah. He had an epiphany and just said, this is it. I'm never going to leave. This is awesome. <laughs> Dude, sometimes I play, sometimes I don't. Yeah. You know, I can kind of be like the surly older guy a little bit. Feel disrespected because we're not getting like all star appearances. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, that's what they feel like to me. And until there's some sort of paradigm shift in either front office ownership or a, just a player falling into their laps that is just undeniable. Yeah. I don't see it. So where do you think they are and where does the fan base think they are at this point in time? I think overall the fan base is sitting there asking themselves the question. And, and by the way, do you have a couple of names? So like I know you had the one guy. Is there a couple more that you want to shout uh, out that you got? Well, I I um, how about uh the teaser here. How about we tell people to go check out the Twitter list and then they can see all the names of all our guys that are worked in there. I like your <laughs> I like the tease. Yeah, yeah. To check out the Twitter list. N-I-C-O-F-R-P-C. That's my Twitter account. Well, um, but I think generally speaking, the fan base on one side 
really wants like this team to be successful and they're asking themselves is leonsis willing to pay the luxury tax to make that happen and how do we get there and i think probably if your goal is being successful i might want to start with the the Tommy Shepard replacement and then ask that new guy or when bringing in that new guy, have that objective and lay it on them and see how they approach improving because I'm not sure these are the right three players to bring Washington to the point of playoff success. So there need to be a little bit of a re-coordination there. If the plan is to rebuild, I understand having troubles with his scouting history, but I think then it's a little less dire the need to move on from Tommy Shepard. You could bring in perhaps maybe some new names in the scouting staff and then just try and move forward that way. But it is so goddamn hard to trade Beal with that no trade clause. And it seems like he just wants to chill in Washington until his career is over. So I I guess those would be my two plans of attack. <sighs> This is tough to hear from for for Wizards fans. Yeah, this is just real tough to hear. Um, with the Rui deal, the thing that I like about it for the Lakers is would be the same reason why I would have liked for them, even though he wasn't happy there. There was a report of like mental illness that was going on with him. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was team related or there was some actual personal things going on off the court. Um, The Los Angeles media hasn't talked to him about it yet, but uh, I think that might be something that's coming probably within the next two or three weeks. I'm just looking at this and going, his cap hold is only Mm 8.8. You couldn't have maybe pulled him into a bigger deal and like, Consolidated your your wing depth a little bit, and then got one one wing, right? Yeah. Or whatever uh, it is that you. Yeah, I I, I like don't. I like the redraft idea that the a trade that I found that I put the gave the most credence to was a Kuzma or sorry, not Kuzma, a Rui for Kobe white deal. Just kind of like giving those two guys a breath of fresh air and a new location. And I think that could have been successful. I might, I, I like a guy like Kobe white a little more as a second draft candidate than Kendrick Nunn, but you probably don't get the three second round picks and the Kobe white deal. So if their eventual plan is to make some trades around for draft equity, it's kind of good to have those three second round picks in your back pocket. All right. Um, Speaking of draft, speaking of trades, give me, a couple of trades that you have or rumors that you've heard or that you liked. Well, 
I, how I decided, we talked about this a little bit before the show, and how I decided to go about this was I went on Fanspo, and instead of making the trades myself and letting my own biases leak in, I just looked through all the trades on Fanspo, and there's a lot of lot of bad stuff on there, but I looked through all the trades on Fanspo and came up with the moves I liked the best and are in a potential Rui deal. And I wanted to kind of run with those or not Rui. I keep saying Rui because I worked so much on the Rui one before his trade, but Kuzma deals. I, I had came up with trades for them to succeed um, this year to kind of rebuild and then to kind of stand pat. Um, the the trade I I had for them to be successful this year did involve the aforementioned Raptors. It was a three-team move with the Suns and the Raptors with the Suns getting Thad Young, DeLon Wright, Kyle Kuzma, the Raptors getting DeAndre Ayton and the Wizards getting Fred Van Vliet. Hmm. I think that would be the kind of move that I would want to go for if I'm trying to compete this year and trade Kyle Kuzma. It's more like you have a lot of wings on roster already, so trying to find a guard would be kind of ideal. Fred Van Vliet may not be perfect because then you're lacking that interior threat unless you want to rely exclusively on Daniel Gafford to provide that. But I thought that's probably the most available point guard for them to acquire, and I think that's a move that's on some level realistic. I would have to have a guarantee from Van Vliet that he was going to resign. Yeah, yeah. that would have Something like that would have to be worked in for yeah. sure. 100%. I like, I mean, I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it. Maybe Aiton to Toronto, being around all those young guys might help him too. Yeah. And then yeah. Phoenix has some, some real weapons. Some, yeah, some. absolutely. Yeah. They, you, got some, you got some CP3 insur- insurance there. Mm-hmm. With Delon, right? Yeah, just like another guy to throw at the problem too. I just and think they still have Jay Crowder to trade. Yeah, I've never seen anything like it. A <laughs> a guy who is like what? Not even a ten point a game scorer. Just like I'm not showing up. I'm not going to be disrespected like this, and you know, take my starting spot away from some young guy. Nothing in this league. Nothing. Oh, I got, I got a little, I got a little anecdote about this. Uh, I use this podcasting app on my phone and uh, I've been using the same one on the pixel for like seven years now. And every time I get a new pixel, I download the same app. Just it, it ports everything straight over and the other day I was listening to a podcast and I got to the end of my queue. And for some reason, it prompted a podcast from 
August 11th, 2017, between Tim Bontemps and Danny LaRue. And they and Tim Bontemps on that podcast was talking about how Jay Crowder was going to have a riot if they thought of starting Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown instead of him in the first place. And it was just so funny to hear how how similar it is to this exact situation like six years ago when that guy was with Boston. It's basically the same exact thing. Jay Crowder is like, it's like the the dude that's just like, I don't understand all this technology. Yeah. What do you mean you can touch your phone and newspapers show up? <laughs> it was rough. Progress is not his gig. Mm-hmm. He he does not understand it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, yeah, man. man. It's weird though. He is what 34, 35? What is he? He's something like older. that. Yeah. And you're sitting there and you're telling you're telling the Phoenix Suns, hey, I'm not gonna show up. I'm not gonna show up if if Cam Johnson plays ahead of me. I'm just gonna sit here and work out in Atlanta and just oh, and by the way, collect my money. Yeah. He's getting paid. Mm-hmm. Sit and do absolutely nothing, and I am. Oh, he's only thirty-two. He's only thirty-two. They have not ratified that CBA yet, so you know. No, no, there hasn't been an agreement. Man, I'm telling you, there's going to be something different in there. Maybe like, there's going to be something different in there. This is getting ridiculous about like players just I'm just not gonna not gonna play. Mm-hmm. Just not I'm just gonna sit out. Kawhi Leonard just I have my own doctors and I don't, I don't need to tell you anything. This it's amazing to me. This is absolutely amazing. So yeah. All right. Um, was there a you said was there a trade that was to strip it down? Yes, there was. I I just pulled that one up. That one, it's it's a trade everyone's heard before. Well, not a trade, but a package everyone's heard of before. <laughs> it's the Warriors going in for a star. It's Kyle Kuzma and Daniel Gafford to the Warriors that in exchange for James Wiseman, Moses Moody, Patrick Baldwin, and a 27 first. Huh. Yeah, so they get to keep Kaminga and have Kuzma out there, and the Wizards have a bunch of different guys that they can try and roll out there. This situation wouldn't look great for my guy Johnny Davis with two more wings getting in the rotation ahead of him. But uh yeah you kinda you kinda gotta live and learn. I like the freedom from Moody and Wiseman. Yeah. I mean I don't think you'll ever really know what Wiseman can do on Golden State. I just I really would like him to go to uh Toronto. Mm-hmm. If I have my drugs well this is a Washington podcast. So yeah, yeah, Wiseman, but Wiseman in Washington, and then maybe you can somehow free up 
more space by jettisoning Christoph Korzingis and just kind of giving him freedom. Yeah. <laughs> Moses Moody to me would be a steal in that deal. I, I honest I have a lot of Moses Moody stock still. Yeah. I be, I believe in him. I was very high on him pre-draft and I I'm I'm hoping he can return to that form. It's the defensive instincts are not as good as I thought they were in school though and that's very much they're very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. I just think that yeah that would be that would be a way of going. That would be and you get Patrick Baldwin too. Because mm-hmm. I'm still high on him. Still high on that kid. Yeah. And you know what? This would actually be good for Kaminga because if anybody was uniquely qualified to walk him through this process, it's Kyle Kuzma. Yeah. Kyle Kuzma can walk him through this process about yeah. how to be a pro. Draymond can be grading. We all know. So yeah. Kuzma going like, hey, listen, I played with LeBron. He's an ass. So mm-hmm. um, this is what you got to do. This is how you do it. This is how you train. Da, da, da. This is how you work on your skill set because one day you're going to take over for Steph. It's going to be me and you <laughs> running the squad. So let's go. Me, you, and cool. Like the new squad. Yeah. So, yeah, I like that deal. Mm-hmm. And then Washington gets what pick? What was who? Is it just their pick? The, it's the Warriors' twenty-seven pick, unprotected. All right. Yeah, yeah. big roll of the dice from the Warriors, but I think for a guy like Kyle Kuzma, they'd probably take it. I see. This is the type of reimagining that I would like to see in Washington. In the yeah, me too. this is the type of stuff I would like to see. I would love to see something like this. I would love to see uh, kind of a redraft, redo type situation with a kid like this on their squad. And then I would like them to double down on that and do something like that with Christoph Perzingis. Yeah. Him away and get pieces back that are like this, that need second chances. Yeah, that would be that would be ideal, I think, if they could figure out a situation like that. I Koku and Washington. Prefer him. <laughs> yeah, they he can learn from Chris Stops. That'd be awesome. No. <laughs> Sorry, Washington. I was I was I just had a Koku moment. Yeah. But you, yeah, you could do you could do something like that. Um because I think that Christoph Porzingis would have some sort of value, right? You'd yeah. have something. And if you weren't hung up on picks or you weren't hung up on players, you can say, listen, you don't have to give us all your picks and all your players. Just if you we, – we covet, or if your scouting department, we covet such and such a guy. Mm. Okay? Or take picks because they could use those too. So, is there a rumor out there other than Washington that you heard this last week that you find very interesting? 
I I can't think of any off the top of my head. Do you have any ruminating? I don't have a rumor. Mm-hmm. But I will say this. Frank Van Vliet is a clutch client. We know it officially. Clutch client. Oh. <laughs> oh. Well, that's an interesting for sure. That. Hmm. We haven't discussed. Uh, I had another team in mind. We haven't discussed a team for next week. But uh, those boys in Toronto might be the right ones to take a peek at. I would love to do Toronto. I would love to do Toronto because Toronto, to me, is the epicenter of the basketball world at this point in time. Because everybody is still pining for Ananobi. Mm-hmm. The hall for Ananobi would be DeJounte Donovan. Murray, Donovan Mitchell, yeah, stuff. And it's it's interesting because you could sell them off piece by piece, and they could have a war chest that would be it would rival. It actually might exceed OKC's if you yeah. sold them piece Pascal, Ananobi. Van Vliet in all separate trades. Now, I know it's a lot of work. We got a couple weeks to the deadline, but their war chest going into what the next, what, five, six years? Yeah, would be rival. Oh, yeah, definitely. They, they'd probably be looking at five picks for at least for both OG and Siakam and then at least two or three like maybe a Drew Holiday esque package maybe a little smaller for Fred now I'm going to report right now that so far Siakam and Anobi and Barnes have been the ones that they have been yeah, not willing to trade whatsoever so <laughs> but Van Vliet being a clutch client that's interesting. That's well, well, well. Just, hey, I just, I throw it out there. People mm-hmm. do what you will with that. I I don't know. But uh, with that being said, you're, you're thinking Toronto next week? Yeah, I think that sounds good to me. You, you, I, I was going to suggest... Minnesota, because it seems like they're starting to turn a corner a little bit. But I, you got me interested in Toronto. I think they're the right team to dive into right before the deadline. Yeah, and I think what we'll also do is we'll keep up on what the trade chatter is, and um, if there's something that breaks loose, you know, uh, we'll try to put our spin on it um, and try to give the give the people what they want as far as context. What we think the team is trying to do, does this lead to a bigger move in the offseason, that sort of thing. But is there any final notes that we need to talk about with this Washington Wizards team more? Are we pretty much done? Um, Yeah, I think we're pretty much done. We've touched pre- – uh, 
I guess we haven't talked about Wes Unsell Jr. at any point during this show. He's a relatively recent coach. It's his, he's still in his second year. Um, I I think I like what they've been doing offensively overall based on what I've watched the past few days, especially like seeing the, the buy-in from the guys like Kuzma and Beal specifically. Uh, I love watching. Like they have two of my favorite point guards in the whole league in DeLon Wright and Monte Morris. Those are two guys I just love. Weird. They play basketball the right way. So I I had a lot of fun watching them overall. And I think uh, Wes Unseld has put together a pretty good unit. I wouldn't blame any of their lack of success on him. I like that he's able to change up what Bradley does. Because yeah. there was a couple of years with some high usage. Mm-hmm. You know, when it was Westbrook and it was kind of like, my turn, your turn. Yeah. And well, I'm kinda I'm kinda I'm kinda glad we got away from that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm kinda just glad we all over less too. That's that's been huge. Yeah. I I, I like his his willingness to use Corzingas as a like a secondary facilitator. I like that. Yeah. I like that Kuzma has been unleashed. I like that. Mm-hmm. And I really want Denny Avdia to pop. And I'm not, not saying necessarily hit some sort of all-star level. I'm just saying he is, I think he is a conduit to winning. I think yeah. he can be that. Just got to have the right pieces around him. Like Bruce Bowen in a perfect world, but like not dirty and not quite as good defensively. But like that's the kind of player type I've got etched out for him in my brain. And I would like to see him over the summer just stand in the two corners and just shoot threes. Like he's not – the only time he's allowed away from those two corners is to sleep, eat – if there's a Mrs. Abdia, conjugal visits, and then that's about it. I yeah. just want him to be familiar with the corners and shoot threes from them all summer long. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely not been a shooter up to this point. If he could even get that to like 33%, I think we're looking at a good player. Because I think if he could... If he could just knock down the corner threes, mm-hmm. all the secondary ball initiating like that connected. he wants to do, the yeah. connective tissue follows. But yeah. right now they don't respect you at all. So, mm-hmm. but I I'm, I still believe in him. So I'm I'm hoping that happens. So with that, I don't really have anything else. I just can they trade Bradley Bill? Can they just? It's the elephant in the room. Can we just finally? I, I know they're, they're not good. They're not gonna do it. I get it. But can he finally just go? Okay, this charade <laughs> is over. I'm ready to go to Miami or wherever the hell I want to go. Yeah, and, I don't think he gives a shit. If I'm honest, I think I know he doesn't. Living in Washington and I know. I, yo, I know. I, 
I I aspire to be more like Bradley Beal and not like try and build myself into everyone's else else's ideas of success for me, and just do what I want to do. And I, I support it. Go, Bradley. That I guess it's my eight my my type eight personality kicking in, right? Yeah. Because I just I'm just. What are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah. Uh, that's uh, the I I get it. I get it. I understand. I feel that way on some account, but like I just respect the shit out of him for not feeling the same way. He's just like, nah, bro. The vibes yeah. are too good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they that's ex- and now too good. It, a perfect way to wrap it up. We're gonna tie this back to the Rockets again. This is what Harden wishes. This is why Harden is talking about coming back to Houston because he realizes he doesn't give a shit about all this title shit. Maybe he'll get there this year, but he people are just picking on him with it for too long. So he decided he needed to go get one, and now he just wants to be home. Come home to Houston. Come play with Jalen and Jabari. You're gonna you're gonna be happy. I knew the Rockets propaganda would be so real on this podcast. I just didn't know how blatant Bill Simmonsy you would be. Oh man. I thought I was going to be Bill Simmonsy as no, being the old guy of the, of the pod. But you Take it to a new level. It's like we're getting five Rockets references in. No doubt. These people are going to be hammered during their lunch break because drinking game is so real. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I don't want anyone to get alcohol poisoning, but I'm never going to not talk about the Rockets. (laughs) FRPC is pro liver. (laughs) Yeah. 100% 100% pro liver on this podcast so yes please, sir. as a as a former as a former drinker being sober almost six years now please be drink responsibly yes, do not sir. drink don't have six seven shots during a podcast <laughs> and you're like in the middle of your work day unless you work at home you yeah, work at home <laughs> just don't send any emails i guess yeah don't maybe no maybe emails. we gotta we gotta change it to people have to smoke at every lakers rockets reference that feels a little more on brand mm. well i mean you know <clears throat> <laughs> hey listen whatever you're gonna do do responsibly put yourself yeah. in a good position uh don't send any emails once uh once altered probably mm-hmm. won't work out for you very well but uh yeah the drinking game or and or what whatever you have decided to come up with because the rockets references will be so real oh yeah uh so your new your second moniker is the canadian bill simmons now 
Oh, okay. So you're there. We got that. Yeah, sure. sure. Absolutely. I, that's the, as far as I'm concerned, the constant references back to the Celtics are far and away my favorite part of Bill Simmons. Oh, no. I love Bill Simmons. It's, it's why I want to do this. I, yeah. No, no. Of course. Be different. A little of bit course. different. But yeah. I just like the, I, I mean specifically the way he's unapologetically a fan of his own team and that has not been something that's always been okay in media when that's just like, if you're a fan, that's the way you look at the sport. You, If you want like honest, like, <laughs> fuck, I, this gets me animated. If you want like <laughs> honest reporting or honest analysis of a sport obviously everything you're going to talk about is going to be like influenced by your own experience your own decisions what you do all the time i watch every rockets game so i see every goddamn nba game i watch through the prism of the rockets it's what's going to happen and and steelers and steelers yeah 100% Steelers the same way. All right. So it'll be Lakers, Rams for me. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, I definitely see it through purple and gold eyes. So 100%. We see it through the purple and gold lenses of the Los Angeles Lakers on the West Coast here in Long Beach, California. And in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, yes, they see sir. it through like just red, <laughs> red rocket. Lindsay. Red, black, and gold. Oh my gosh, so wrong. It's anyway. almost like those are wedding colors. I, okay, yeah, we'll yeah, we're gonna have to talk about that later. That's offline. <laughs> so we're gonna end the podcast here on that note for the Canadian bomber, the Canadian shaman, and now the Canadian Bill Simmons, Nico oh. Miotello. I am Vince Carter, and this has been your Washington status report and we are out